What if I told you that you were about to listen to another wrestling podcast? Are you ready? This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we take you through the ins and outs and everything you need to know in the world of professional wrestling. From NXT to Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, all the way to the main events of the WWE. Our thoughts, our perspective, and our predictions on the biggest topics and breaking news in the world of wrestling. If it's happening, we're talking about it. This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean McChesney and CJ Palmasano. All right, let's get to it. Episode number 37 of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmasano here. Uh, yes, I am flying solo this week. Uh, again, Sean is very busy. He could not make time to record this week. Uh, that's okay. Uh, Sean's working really hard. And everybody, give him much love. We love you all here, Sean. Um, but what uh, a week it has been. Uh, the past week, from the end of last week to to now, to the time I'm recording this, of, uh, of uh, Thursday, the 7th of November. There is a lot we have to break down. We have we are going to break down all the stuff with that happened with Crown Jewel and the quote-unquote flight delays. <laughs> um, what happened um, on that Friday Night SmackDown? What happened on Raw? What happened in NXT and AEW? And uh, I'll be giving my AEW predictions later on in the night. Uh, the night. Uh, this episode. Uh, because we have full gear heading this Saturday, AEW's first pay-per-view uh, during the time of Dynamite. But uh, I'm gonna try and go in order here with uh, what happened throughout the week. So first things first, let's kick things off with uh, the Crown Jewel quote-unquote delays. <laughs> so Crown Jewel happened. Uh, the best thing that could possibly happen from this entire show. Uh, was pretty much the the Fiend winning the Universal Championship. That was the best thing that could have happened, and it happened. Um, the match itself, you guys who listen know, I can't stomach to watch these these uh, Saudi Arabia shows. I don't watch them. I just see what happens. The Fiend won, and I got to recap what happened. And uh, it was right. This overall was the right move. It was the right move. Um, but. It is strange now that the uh, the big jam belt, the red belt, is on a, the blue show of SmackDown, and now Brock Lesnar is back on Raw as the WWE Champion. Hopefully that'll get addressed and fixed up. But what had people talking was what happened after the the night, the the, the morning after Crown Jewel. So apparently there were quote-unquote flight delays from the Saudi Arabia airport and people getting back home to uh, the States. The thing was, according to a former Spanish commentator, Hugo Stavinovic, I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, comments that there was heat between the Saudi prince and Vince McMahon that WWE superstars couldn't appear due to mechanical problems in Saudi Arabia. That's not the case at all. And that he's reporting that Vince hasn't been paid for the two Saudi pay-per-views that took place this year. And going forward, the Saudi uh, Saudi Arabia owes between 300 to $500 million with it to WWE. Uh, there's also quotes here saying, Hugo could be incorrect while s- stating these figures as WWE was paid a total of $60 million for Crown Jewel last year. So that part might not be factually true. 
That being said, Vince uh, retaliated by cutting off the Crown Jewel live TV feed in Saudi Arabia. Uh, apparently, that's not true either, that the Saudis actually did that. And, quote, Vince was pissed off, uh, and that Crown Prince, he had ordered the WWE wrestlers to be taken off the air, uh, the Atlas air, before the plane was about to take off. If there were mechanical issues with the plane, then Vince would have easily arranged other planes for his wrestlers, but it didn't happen. Brock was able to, Brock Lesnar was able to leave, took uh, place because he has his own private jet. Hulk Hogan, Ric Flair, and Jimmy Hart went with him. Um, it's it's amazing to to see that <laughs> that Jimmy Hart was more apparent uh, was more important than someone like Roman Reigns who was advertised for the show. Um, this just seemed it was just too on the nose. Um, whatever was going on between WWE and Saudi Arabia between Vince and the Saudi Prince. Uh, clearly, the Prince was not happy, and he decided to take it out on Vince and the wrestlers. So, um, well, Vince had already left, but the people who had left... Uh, Vince had already left, but the people who were staying there. Um, not everybody could get back home. Uh, as of showing SmackDown, there were a, a lot of people who could not make it. Michael Cole and Corey Graves were stuck there. Um... There were a lot of people like uh, AJ Styles was stuck there. Buddy Murphy was stuck there. I had saw that Shinsuke Nakamura, I saw that Saturday morning, an hour prior, he po- at 8.30 I saw on my phone on Instagram that at 7.30 a.m. Nakamura had posted that he had just gotten back to the States. AJ, had j- AJ and Carl Anderson had just returned that Saturday. There were a lot of people who were just returning to the States that weekend, which is baffling. Um, it's strange to see that you know, the, I mean, the, these wrestlers deal with travel issues all the time, which shouldn't be come to a surprise to them. But for like over 24 hours, they couldn't just get a connecting flight to somewhere else, somewhere safer. There are also reports from Meltzer that um, there were uh, soldiers around the WWE uh, wrestlers and crew. Those who were really important to make it to SmackDown were there. Um, they did the best they could. Um, from we saw on SmackDown, I mean, Daniel Bryan was there because, well, Daniel Bryan refuses to go to these Saudi Arabia shows. Um, Tom Phillips and Renee Young had to take over in a commentary, along with Aiden English for the first segment of the sh- the first two segments of the show, which was Brock announced. We'll get to that in a second, and then Pat McAfee for some reason. But um, they did the best that they could, and but what really uh baffles my mind is how you see all these reports that there's heat between the WWE and the Saudi Arabian prince, uh, that Saudi Arabia is trying to fix the deal, or whatever, WWE is trying to fix the deal, and it makes me wonder why. Because Meltzer also reported there were several wrestlers who were saying that they cannot wait until they leave. There's already a great number, not a great number, but a good number of people who refuse to work these shows. The number is going to get bigger because already we have people like Kevin Owens, Daniel Bryan, who refuse to do the shows. Aleister Black is not allowed to go to the shows because of his ta- because of his tattoos. And they may seem a little too uh, satanic. Um, uh, Sami Zayn is not allowed to go. Allowed to go because he's of, of Turkish descent, I believe. And the Turks and the Saudis do not get along at all. Um, so, and women are not allowed to be on the show, with the exception of Natalia and Lacey Evans being uh, having a match. But it just makes me wonder why I still do this. And then it was later announced that um, that the WWE and Saudi Arabia had extended the deal to twenty to twenty twenty seven. So we got to deal with another how many years with with this crap? It's just two more it's just two more shows in the year that I guarantee in wrestling that I'm not going to watch. I mean, it would have to take something huge for me to watch. It would have to take Stone Cold Steve Austin and CM Punk having a match in Saudi Arabia for me to actually want to watch that. It's the only thing that it would take. Um, but the other uh, really positive that came from... Um, the Crown Jewel show, what was Natalia and Lacey Evans having that match. I don't get why they didn't do any other storylines that were already kind of in place, like maybe Becky and somebody, or I don't know. But I guess they just kind of had it, and the story was an exhibition, and um, Natty's, Natty's a good hand, and 
I guess they, they do want to give Lacey Evans some kind of push. Like I've said, like I think she's going to get a big push on SmackDown. Um, I saw that oh, someone threw a water bottle at Natalia. Um, but even though there were some people who were not for it, because that's just how these pe- some of these people are in their culture, it was a really great thing to see that uh, women got to wrestle in Saudi Arabia. It does show some change. It does show some progression, and you saw the 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 cheers and the smiles and happiness and these women and these children's faces and 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 some men too were just you know they were happy to see that they're progressing and and that maybe as far as like a real life thing and a real uh, positive for the world that that's a real positive thing and that may be. The biggest positive coming out of these Saudi shows. But overall, they're still not great, and it's still blood money they're accepting. So that's all I'm pretty much going to cover from the Crown Jewel show. The only things I liked is that The Fiend won the Universal title, and that it was a good thing for women's wrestling and women in general for uh, Natalia and Lacey Evans to have a match in Saudi Arabia. Um, briefly, I'm going to touch a bit on, on New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, it was announced that Chris Jericho is going to be he's going back full paymaker, and he's going to be facing Hiroshi Tanahashi in uh, night two of Wrestle Kingdom 14 on January 5th. And uh, yeah, Wrestle Kingdom is going to be two nights. They beat Mania to the punch. Um, also, that um, Hir- uh, Hiromu Takahashi. Returned. Uh, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Hiromu Takahashi uh, is in the Los Ingo Bernables de Japón faction, LIJ. He's been out of action for over a year and a half. He is a former uh, IWGP uh, junior heavyweight champion. He, uh, he uh, was out with a neck injury from Dragon Lee, and uh, he had previously won the Special Super Juniors Tournament and he beat Will Ospreay for the IWGP heavyweight title. Since then, Dragon Lee has won the title. Uh, since then, uh, it was, I believe it was Dragon Lee, and before that was uh, Bone Soldier, Bullet Club. Uh, I am so blanking on his name right now. And I've said his name on this show before. Uh, it's going to come back to me. It's going to come back to me. Um can't remember it right now, but um, him and then Dragon Lee and then Will Ospreay and now uh, Dragon Lee uh, challenged uh, Will Ospreay for the IWGP heavyweight heavyweight title IWGP junior heavyweight title at Wrestle Kingdom 14 and uh, that is going to be one hell of a match if if you ever get a chance, look up Will Ospreay versus Hiromu Takahashi at Dominion 2018 and your mind's going to be blown away it was also announced at Wrestle Kingdom that Kazuchika Okada will officially face Kota Ibushi for the IWGP Heavyweight title. Uh, Kota Ibushi had beaten, I believe, Kenta for that. Oh, no, he had beaten Evil, and then uh, Okada had beaten Sonata, or it was the other way around, I don't remember. And then um, it will also be Jay White versus Tetsuya Naito for the IWGP Intercontinental title. The winner of those matches for the Heavyweight title and the Intercontinental title... Uh, are going to face off in night two of Wrestle Kingdom, where both belts will be on the line. Now that is huge. That's a big storyline, and um, it just makes me wonder: Is Naito finally going to be a double champion? Because that's the story that's been going on. Naito has saying he wants to be double champion. He wants to be. Intercontinental and heavyweight champion. What will happen, I don't know, but for me, I just want my boy Kota Ibushi <laughs> to walk out as uh, the heavyweight champion of night one. But uh, that's briefly touching on it in New, uh, New Japan. Um, hopefully, we can talk more about New Japan. We'll cover more about New Japan once uh, Wrestle Kingdom comes around the next couple of months. Just want to get that in there briefly. Now, let's get to the rest of what's been happening and let's get into that beautiful episode of SmackDown. I actually had just literally, before I came on here, finished watching that. And what a way to turn a negative into a positive. My God. This is how you get new guys and girls over. 
This is how you make a statement. This is how you do it. I mean, whether this was the plan all along because they announced that Survivor Series will be having Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT, whether that was the plan or not, or if... I mean, it doesn't matter, really, because this had Triple H written all over it. We saw the debut of Tommaso Ciampa. Tommaso Ciampa had beaten The Miz. Shayna Baszler attacked Bayley, Nikki Cross, and Sasha Banks after Bayley had defeated Nikki Cross to retain the title. Which, by the way, just hearing Bayley's new entrance theme, love it. I love it. Fits her character great. Really quick on that. Um, We saw Matt Riddle and Keith Lee attack uh, Sami Zayn after Sami Zayn was uh, talking a lot of smack about saying how he'd uh, he wouldn't uh, he'd get in the face of the you know NXT guys he'd pretty much saying he'd beat them up then he's being a coward running to the ring and then Keith Lee and Matt Riddle beat him up uh, Matt Riddle him with the bro Derek which is kind of like a um, they for those of you who don't know they get some kind of position for like a tombstone pile driver but then kind of f- drops him down to the mat like a Styles Clash and then Keith Lee, my God, 340-plus pounds, Keith Lee, he really is limitless, does a beautiful moonsault. That's right, a 340-plus pound man did a moonsault, and it was absolutely perfect. Uh, Also news from that SmackDown is that Brock Lesnar had left SmackDown. He quit SmackDown to go to Raw to hunt for Rey Mysterio. Get into that a little bit later, but still going through what happened on SmackDown. I think the big thing that my, my favorite thing was is that was that Daniel Bryan versus Adam Cole matched the NXT title. This is a big match of the year contender, and. It was just fantastic. I felt Brian was the perfect guy to go up against Cole. I mean, two indie darlings, two Ring of Honor legends in Brian Danielson and Adam Cole, baby. Daniel Bryan... Now, to my knowledge, I am not sure if Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan have had a match previously. I'm pretty sure they have. But... What a way to again for if you if you never saw Adam Cole before, what a way for him to make an impact. I mean, the last sequences of this match were some of my favorites with with Brian hitting all bending all those limbs of Adam Cole, getting the yes lock in there and and twisting and turning and get, bending his arms and his fingers and getting to a knee bar like just in so much pain and then we Cole was outside the ring, Brian did a he did a, a suicide dive to where Triple H and Shawn Michaels were sitting, and it lands right on Cole. Goes for a second one, and Cole hits a super kick right as Brian is through the ropes. Just amazing stuff. And then as final sequences of this match, when he throws Brian back in, uh, goes for that like uh, that head uh, brain buster. Then for the Panama Sunrise, which if you don't know, he jumps from the middle rope and then hits a, a Canadian Destroyer pretty much and then goes for the last shot with his finisher. Uh, last shot being a, uh, a Shining Wizard to the back of the back of the head and neck. And god damn, Adam Cole showed up. I mean, for people who have seen these guys wrestle before or just seen, the, just seen their body of work from the indies, you knew it was going to be a hell of a match. And I hope for those of you who may have not seen Adam Cole before are a fan of his now, and you got to go back and look up his stuff. Look up his stuff in New Japan. Look up his stuff in Ring of Honor, because it's tremendous work. But him being with NXT, I mean, Adam Cole has been one of my favorite things in wrestling for a long time. He's kept me hanging on. I mean, when he was in Bullet Club, um, stuff he's done in PWG. You know, stuff he's done with Ring of Honor, everything. It's it's hard not to love Adam Cole. Even though he can be a great heel, it's hard not to love him with the work he does. Um, After that, uh, Triple H had gotten in the ring with the rest of the NXT talent. Some of that had shown up, some that had not shown up yet throughout the show. 
pretty much saying you want to, you know, when you're building an army, you go to your, you go to your, your blood, you go to your family. This is my, this is our army. You want a war, you got one. This is NXT. And what I loved in this is that you look at Tommaso, when the shots were on Tommaso Ciampa, pretty much the entire time he was staring at Adam Cole while Cole has the championship over his shoulder. That's very great, very detailed, just little detailed storytelling that is with Tommaso Ciampa and the Adam Cole feud because it's still going on. And we'll get more into it with NXT, but I, I just loved that. I loved that. And as we saw Monday, um, not as good as NXT, I mean, uh, as uh, uh, SmackDown, because I feel like maybe this is what they wanted to do on Monday, but they kind of didn't because, you know, they had to do something for the quote-unquote flight mechanical delays, you know? Um, Just my take on that. When it came to Raw, I think the most interesting thing that came from it was Seth Rollins' promo. We, um, He was saying how he's not sure what to do anymore, that, you know, started, you know, he started off trying to take things, uh, change things, and with Brock Lesnar... He's like, The Fiend's the Universal Champion now. Brock Lesnar's back on Raw. He's a champion. It's the same thing all over again. And Triple H comes out. And he teases. And they tease a potential Seth Rollins heel turn. Could this be what they want to do? Could they turn Seth Rollins heel and have him go to NXT? Because to be honest, I wouldn't mind that. I wouldn't mind Seth Rollins going back to NXT. I feel like he is a guy that will bring faces uh, or main roster people to watch NXT. In the main event, it was uh, Adam Cole and Seth Rollins, but the Undisputed Era had gotten involved and other uh, Raw superstars had gotten involved. And there was tension between the Undisputed Era and the OC. So... The big thing on the internet that people want to see is they want to see a match between the OC with Gallows, Anderson, AJ Styles, and Finn Balor against the Undisputed Era and Adam Cole, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish, and Roderick Strong. Um, I don't know if this match will take place at Survivor Series because you've already got Cole and O'Reilly defending the tag titles. Not defending the tag titles, but, but they're in the match with the War Raiders and... Um, and uh, the, the revival, and then you've got uh, what most likely Adam Cole will probably be facing the Fiend because Rey Mysterio will be facing Brock Lesnar, and I like this, and I like that Brock is going to face Rey. That Kane Velasquez match was just weird and awkward, and he needs—I mean, he he needs surgery, and that's why. But he didn't have to do it to make Kane look like a total like you know idiot. Um. I like that Ray, uh, that Brock was selling for Ray Mysterio in the beginning of the show, hitting him with what looked like a lightsaber. But when Brock sells for you, it means he respects you, and it's so. I think it'd be a really good contest because Ray Mysterio, ever since he came back and signed with the WWE, he hasn't really done much of like. In fact, since like. Probably after he lost the WWE title to uh, John Cena in the same night he won it, in his WWE run from then to when he left and when he came back, he hasn't done anything like of great merit. He was in the he returned to the Royal Rumble in 2018, looked amazing. He uh, came back and was supposed to have well he did have a match with Samoa Joe for the U.S. title, but he was injured so. Joe squashed him, which ended up working out for Small Joe. But I like that they're treating Rey Mysterio like a big deal. Because he should. Rey Mysterio is maybe the greatest cruiserweight of all time. 
maybe the greatest Lucha Libre, you know, masked wrestler of all time. Maybe. I mean, it's hard to argue that. When it comes to, like, people who were smaller, who doubted if they could be wrestlers, a lot of people looked at Rey Mysterio and were just like, oh, well, if he can do it, I can do it. He, he was one of those guys who, you know, went up against the Giants and he was amazing at it. And although we may not get the Fiend versus Brock Lesnar versus Adam Cole or even the Fiend versus Brock Lesnar right now, I like that there is a title match on the card and I like that it's Rey Mysterio and Brock Lesnar. I just like that Rey Mysterio is treated like a big deal again because he should be treated like a big deal. I hate when they sign people and they don't for, you know, they come back for a really big return and a big pop and it's great, but then they don't do anything with them. I mean, look at the Hardys. When the Hardys came back in 2017, it was, it's generally maybe my favorite WrestleMania moment ever. Like, it's one of, because, you know, my favorite tag team return and it's just, it's probably the greatest return ever. Return to the company, maybe. And what happened at Summer... Like, however many months later in SummerSlam, they were in a pre-show match when not even everybody in the, in the crowd was... Not even everybody in the arena was there yet. I think they had a plan to have them and, and the and the Gallows and Anderson and the Revival to have a, have a match, but then uh, I think Scott Dawson got hurt. But still, it's the Hardys, man. You, you can't put the Hardys on the pre-show of one of your biggest shows, the arguably your second biggest show of the year. So... To see what they're doing with Ray, it makes me happy. And it makes me happy that he is being used properly. Again, and putting in a big match against Brock Lesnar. Getting back to the NXT thing, that, um... I mean, not too much happened on Raw. The Becky Lynch segment and uh, Shayna Baszler segment was probably the best thing that happened. And I like the idea of Lynch and ba- and Baszler having a feud. I like it a lot. And we could get, you know, Baszler versus Becky Lynch somewhere down the line. Whether it's Becky moving to NXT, having a match with her, or one day Baszler coming up to the main roster, whenever that may be. But I think what really needs to be noted here is that I think WWE have really done a great way to get you excited about Survivor Series. They've really done a great job to really, really to get you to watch NXT because now everything's kind of interconnected. Because I mean, this past Wednesday, I was contemplating what do I watch live? Do I watch NXT live or do I watch AEW? I eventually watched AEW, but looking at the results from from NXT, I'm like, maybe I should have watched NXT. Maybe. I don't know. Both shows are great. But I think the thing is here is that one worry I do have is that maybe NXT might just look foolish at Survivor Series. I am worried about that. But at the same time, they 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 would they could they wouldn't do it, would they? I mean, you have to make the NXT guys and girls look really strong at Survivor Series. They don't have to have a clean sweep, but there does have to be uh, a lot of NXT presence and make the NXT roster feel important, you know? But I, but if because I, Kyle O'Reilly and Bobby Fish can win the, the Triple Threat Tag Match. You know, Roderick Strong can win the uh, triple threat mid-card title match, which it hasn't happened yet, but most likely we'll probably see him and Nakamura and Styles, which should be really fun. Cole doesn't have to win against The Fiend, because The Fiend is, you know, The Fiend. We all we all know how much, you know, I love The Fiend and, and Sean love The Fiend. But, um, doesn't have to be that clear-cut. But going on, I think what needs to happen with uh, NXT 
with this whole thing with Survivor Series. It, it, they do need to be treated like a big deal. And if they do this moving forward, I'm okay with it. I have said that I have been... I, I was worried about NXT becoming the third brand of WWE. But the third brand in the sense like when ECW was the third brand, it was just there. It wasn't treated with any importance. It was just there. But NXT kind of being the third brand, but still having that special feeling of being NXT, as long as they can be able to work those two things together, I think we'll be fine. But moving on, I think we should get into NXT. Earlier on, before the show had even started, there was a Twitter video. Uh, and it popped up, and it was the Undisputed Era coming to full sail to the arena, getting ready to address the crowd, I believe. And then the OC show up. AJ Styles, Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, they attacked the OC. I mean, they attacked the Undisputed Era. Laying them out. And it was the OC who kicked off NXT. It was really cool to see those guys in full cell because we never got to see that. Excuse me. We never got to see AJ Styles or Carl Anderson and Luke Gallows go to full cell because they went straight to the main roster when they signed. But AJ Styles just fits in full cell. He fits with NXT so perfectly. Kind of saying that they're here to take over and then out comes Tommaso Ciampa, Matt Riddle, and Keith Lee. Which it had been announced that we're going to get two War Games matches. The Undisputed Era, Adam Cole, you know, you know who the Undisputed Era is. Undisputed Era versus Champa, uh, Matt Riddle, and Keith Lee, and a mystery op- uh, partner to be determined. We'd also gain the first ever women's War Games match. That's something that Fozzie and I did not cover last week. But we're covering it now. We, uh... That's another big thing, is that women's War Games... But anyway, Tommaso Ciampa with the line, pretty much line of the night saying, everyone keeps asking, has always asked me for a long time, when am I going to Raw? When am I going to SmackDown? When am I going to the main roster? Well, let me be the first to say to welcome you guys to the main roster. Love it. Oh, I love it. Because we've all known that NXT has always been the better product than Raw or SmackDown for a very, very long time. It always has been. And that's what I'm saying. If it can be treated upon the same level, but still keep that, and still keep that special, that uniqueness about the show, then we'll be okay. We'll be okay. As long as Vince doesn't get his greedy little hands on it, let Triple H do what he's got to do. NXT will last for a very long time, and we can always enjoy it. It was a match that was later on made for the night. There would be uh, the OC versus uh, Champa, Riddle, and Keith Lee. Um. On the FS1 back WWE backstage show, uh, Shayna Baszler and Rhea Ripley had announced that their uh, partners, that Shayna Baszler had picked Bianca Belair, Io Shirai, and that Rhea Ripley had picked uh, Candice LeRae and Tegan Knox. It was interesting to see because we kind of thought it was going to be the horsewomen with and Shayna, uh, Bianca Belair and Io Shirai against Tegan Knox. Uh, Dakota Kai, Rhea Ripley, and Candice LeRae with a new with another opponent, uh, another partner. But apparently that's not the case. But real quickly, you have to go in that this is going to be the first ever women's war games match, and it's been building to this. Very naturally, you know, you've seen all these women kind of like lock up with each other, and they've all kind of had a few, like Io Shirai and Candice LeRae, Bianca Belair and Rio Ripley, Bianca Belair and uh, Candice LeRae. We've seen uh, Io Shirai and uh, Rhea Ripley, Rhea Ripley and Shayna Baszler all kind of interconnected with each other, and it's all come to a head in war games. Dakota Kai had a match with Shayna Baszler, and it may have been Shayna ba- uh, Dakota Kai's best match in NXT. The crowd was really behind her, and they were really hoping she was going to win. You really thought she was going to win. You really thought Shayna, like, 
this is it. Like she's gonna prove to Rhea that she's that she's she's it. She is. She's the one you want on the team. But alas, Shayna Baszler came up with a victory. And again, all hell broke loose. The War Games competitors came out. But in comes Mia Yim as the uh, the cavalry and attacks everybody with a with a kendo stick. And later on, they explained that uh, Rhea Ripley was announcing the the fourth member. And you see Dakota Kai, how happy she is, and she thinks it's going to be her, and she announced it's going to be Mia Yim, and she goes to uh, Dakota and says, sorry, you just lack that killer instinct. Um, Tegan Knox, said, uh, her, her tag partner, had seemed to be upset about this, but then as Dakota said, you know, I understand, and good luck to you all, walked away, Tegan Knox starts smiling. You're a bad friend, Tegan! Come on! I hope this leads to, like, some kind of bigger story, but I don't know, it, it very well might not. But I can dream. I can dream. Anyway. Later on, uh, we had a match between, again, Tommaso Ciampa, AJ Styles, with AJ Styles, Luke Gallows, Colin Anderson, Matt Riddle, Keith Lee, and Tommaso Ciampa. This match was insane. You had big moves the big moves. You had... The ending sequences is what I really enjoyed most. It appeared that you had like Champa hit this the hot tag to Riddle, and Riddle was just going nuts on everybody. Anderson gets a kick, G- Gallows gets a kick, AJ Styles gets a kick, uh, Bro Derek, Bro Mission, like all of his his big moves, and Matt Riddle is just cleaning house on the OC. I think it was later on that I think at some point Champa got back in the match and was going to be the legal competitor. And it seemed like he was going to hit the fairy tale ending on AJ Styles. But who comes out but Finn Balor? The recently the, re, the recently turned heel Finn Balor where he says he doesn't watch this business, this business watches him. Champa was distracted. Styles had attacked Champa from behind. From in the ring, Styles throws up the two sweets at Balor. Balor throws up the guns. And in everybody's mind, it's just like, oh my god, it's the Bullet Club. It's WWE, it's NXT, but, but, but it's Bullet Club, pretty much. Arguably the two greatest leaders in the faction's history, right there. Will we see Finn join the OC? We don't know, but we have to wait and see what happens next. The seeds were planted for sure. And then later on, out of nowhere, here comes Adam Cole. And he just super kicks, uh, I believe he super kicks AJ Styles. Stares down Balor. Champa's about to get up. And then for good measure, he just super kicks uh, uh, Champa too. Because why not? Because even though this is NXT. You're still my opponent for war games. Match ended in a no contest. Another great way to get all these guys over without anybody really taking any damage from a loss. But I think either way, either no matter what, either team losing here didn't really matter. But what a way to end the show. And... I saw before that the ratings between NXT and AEW... Lately, we, we've seen that the ratings between AEW and NXT have... I mean, AEW's been beating them vastly. But this week, it was very, very close. AEW uh, Dynamite on TNT got 822,000 uh, viewers. NXT on USA got 813,000 viewers. That's only about a 9,000 person difference. So, again, NXT and WWE have really stepped up their storylines with this Build to Survivor series. I mentioned earlier... I was seriously contemplating, do I watch NXT or do I watch AEW? I honestly was not sure. 
I didn't know because I saw the reception of how great SmackDown was. I knew NXT were going to do something huge. But I ultimately chose AEW. I don't regret choosing AEW that night. But did what I did. I, I wonder what else they're going to do when it comes to war games. Because so far you only have two matches announced. You have the women's match, uh, the men's war games match, and that's about it. You have all of your champions in both war games matches. So it makes me wonder, what else are they going to do that night? Because every single war games there's been, the Undisputed Era is in it. That is their match. No question about it. It's the first time, however, where it seems like no championships are going to be defended. As far as we know. But it's probably not going to... Probably not the case that, that the championships will change hands at all. we got to look at the other things that are going on in NXT. There's a storyline between Pete Dunne and Damian Priest, which they had a great match too, and Killian Dane. They might just have a triple threat match at, at uh, War Games and just go, you know, beat the hell out of each other. You know, um... You have to see about where they're going to fill out the gaps when it comes to the uh, the show. Or the, the show could just be only a couple hours and they just give the War Games matches like really long times. Because they've, they've got some time though. They've got a few weeks before uh, the Survivor Series weekend. They'll be able to do something. But the question is, who's going to be the fourth member of Team Champa? Speculation time. Now, I think for me, and the obvious person who it's going to be, is Johnny Gargano. Now, Gargano can easily come back to NXT in the next few weeks, and he can say that he wants to face uh, Finn Balor. Uh, They could. I'm not sure when they would have their match other than um, NXT TV, but I feel like they'd save... Balor's first NXT match back for uh, Full Sail. I mean, uh, TakeOver. But let's go through the roster a little bit and see who could be the fi- the final member. Obviously, the number one is Johnny Gargano. That's, that's the big one that everyone thinks it could be. Kushida. We haven't seen Kushida in a while. Um, could it be... Uh, Cameron Grimes. Probably not. (laughs) It's not going to be Pete Dunne. Uh, It's not going to be Damian Priest. So, I guess Gargano is Logilok's logical choice? Uh, I don't know. There was, I mean, there were matches throughout the night of people wanting to earn their spot, like Isaiah Swerve Scott and, uh, Dominic Dijakovic having their match. Either one of them could be in the team. But we'll have to wait and see. If I had to pick somebody right now, I'd pick Johnny Gargano. And maybe they milk this Gargano-Balor feud. Maybe Gargano is the one to join the team. And then Balor gets involved in the War Games match to make sure that Gargano loses. Could be possible. Or he goes in there making sure the Undisputed Era loses. We don't know. But it would make more sense for him trying to get one guy to lose rather than four. That's my pick. Johnny Gargano. I think Johnny Gargano will be the mystery be the mystery partner of Team Champa. Makes the most sense to me. And when it comes to making sense, that's where in WWE makes the most sense because Triple H makes sense in his booking. I think I just sent sense a million effing times just there. Um, I guess the only thing to really move on to is um, AEW. So, this episode of AEW, the two big things that came out of this was 
Cody's promo of his life and Chris Jericho's hilarious video package. Now, it made you think it was going to be serious, but it wasn't. It was absolutely hilarious. I'm going to get into the Jericho segment uh, video package first because th- that's what I really want to talk about first here. Um, it starts off with Chris Jericho uh, just sitting in a room and then Sammy Guevara comes in and says, Yo, Chris, we got a couple of uh, options for the bubbly. And they kind of fades out and then just Jericho's kind of just thinking to himself and he's thinking, I don't know what he's thinking, but eventually you go back to Sammy Guevara going like, so, go with this one? He's like, yeah, sounds great. And then he just gives Sammy Guevara a kiss on his head. And then it shows members of the inner circle just hyping up Chris Jericho. You know, at first it starts really cool and then, you know, Sammy Guevara saying like, you know, I mean, Chris, he's the champion. I'm learning so much from him. And obviously if he's the champion, he's the face of this company, you know? And then you start to see the subtle hints of it being very funny with like, I mean, he's 48 years old. He's the youngest AEW world champion in history. And I'm like, well, obviously he's the only AEW champion in history. The Santana and Ortiz started hyping him up. Anytime they cut to Jake Hager, he just went... He just breathed heavily. And then he just... Every time they cut to him, he'd go... Like, he starts breathing heavier and heavier and grunting louder and louder every time they get to Hager. And I like that. I like that he's a silent muscle of the group. He does not need to talk. I don't think any of us want to hear Jake Hager talk. Unless you're, you know, our good avid listener of this podcast, Joe Stanziali, where we just want to hear Jake Hager go, huh? Actually, that's that's fine. We can all hear Jake Hager, <laughs> Jake Hager do that. Um, there was a botch on this show with the referee. Pac was, went for the Black Arrow, and for whatever reason, he didn't count the three. When Pac went to go pin Trent and said one by submission, that was a big botch on their part. Um... We also had, uh... yeah, I am blanking here, folks. Forgive me. I haven't done this in a while. Just doing this by myself. But back to the uh, video package. We also had um... apparently Virgil's in AEW now. <laughs> he had said that he had signed with the company. I don't know if that's true or not. AEW, I don't think have at the time of me recording this have said anything. But. Uh... Okay, Virgil's in AEW. I'm pretty sure Jericho got involved with that. And then he got his aunt. He's, I think Chris Jericho's actual aunt involved. And saying like, I knew when little Christopher was a little boy, I just knew how amazing and charismatic he is that he was going to be the uh, the AEW world champion someday. I'm like, <laughs> oh my god. Uh, it was hilariously done. And then he said, like, and then the, I think the maybe the best line of this entire promo package was his aunt going, and Christopher is going to beat that little punk Cody. He's going to beat the living shit out of that punk, punk Cody. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, and then Jericho claiming how, like, you don't know how hard it is to be champion, and him, and just like, oh man taking some pages out of Matt Hardy's book of the, you know, you don't know how hard it is to be Matt Hardy. He complains about how rich he is. <laughs> um, this was very hilariously done, and I loved it. But the thing I probably love the most from this show was the promo of Cody Rhodes' career, of his life, maybe the best in-ring promo of this year. We're in November, so we got about a month left to hear it, but, I, but I'm but i going to say Cody's promo was maybe the best promo of the year so far. Um, he had come and made his announcement that if he cannot defeat Chris Jericho at full gear, he will never compete for the AEW Championship ever again. 
And that's pretty bold. Now, is that going to be the case? Probably not. How many times have we seen people be like, oh, you can't face this championship title ever again, and then they get another title shot somewhere down the line? But I think the thing to take here is that you could see Cody was talking from his heart. And this is what happens when you let guys who are great on the mic just go out there and cut a promo. Give them bullet points and then just cut a promo. This was fantastic. He talks about how Chris Jericho called him an entitled millennial bitch. Saying like, I was fed from a silver spoon in his mouth. When sure, it must be really hard to have been the son of an N- of an uh, of an NHL star. We were probably fed from the same spoon. This has nothing to do me being a millennial. You stupid dick! And the crowd popped. That one woman didn't know. <laughs> the one woman uh, was not ready for what. Excuse me, what Cody said when they shot to her, and then they shot to someone with a poster that says that was savage. <laughs> um, you know, he kept going on and on, said like, you know, I scratched and clawed my way from going undesirable to ungoddamn to goddamn undeniable. And is it safe to say that Cody Rhodes is the biggest babyface in wrestling right now? I mean, he's a hell of a better baby face than Seth Rollins. I mean, him and Becky Lynch have probably been the two most over people in wrestling at the moment. And he said, this isn't about, this isn't just about me. It's about my father, my mother, my sister, my wife. You know, he got he got choked up a little bit. And that's where you tell the promos coming from his heart. And it's not just scripted. He is being passionate in his words. And he means what he says. When I'm watching this, I believe what Cody Rhodes is saying through my TV screen. And it kind of kind of throw me for a loop that maybe Cody might win. Typically when WWE does put out these stipulations that it's supposed to... They're trying to swerve you that it's going to happen. But then really it doesn't happen. So I'm kind of at a loss here. But I'll get into my predictions uh, in a few minutes. But uh, and then the end of this show, seeing Hangman Page and Kenny Omega against Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, with Jericho getting the win with the Judas Effect, the brawl that happened after the show, well after the match had happened, the inner circles coming out, they're beating down Kenny Omega, they're beating down uh, Hangman Adam Page. Cody comes down, starts beating down on Chris Jericho and Sammy Guevara, brings out the eight holds the AEW championship high over his head. Then in come Santana and Ortiz start attacking the rest of the elite. In come the Young Bucks. Crazy action is happening. They're beating up Santana and Ortiz on the outside. Kenny Omega gets up and then here comes John Moxley with the barbed wire bat. Omega gets out of the ring. Grabs the barbed wire broom. If those of you don't know, Kenny Omega was the cleaner in New Japan and he literally brought cleaning products to the to the ring. So mops, brooms, etc. Anyway, they're about to get into it. Santana Ornitis come back into the ring and they beat down John Moxley and Kenny Omega. Throw them out of the ring. You see moonsaults from Adam Page, top rope dives from Kenny Omega. They're brawling up on the stage. Now here comes Jake Hager. Here comes MJF. On top of the stage, you see, I believe, Santana Ortiz attacking the Bucks again. Kenny Omega hits a V trigger on one of. I can't remember if it was Santana or or Ortiz. And then Moxley hits a paradigm shift on either Santana or Ortiz. I cannot remember who he hit it on. Then they look at each other real quickly. And then they start brawling again, Moxley and, and Omega. It's, I'm glad that, that John Moxley is not affiliated with the Inner Circle at all. And he is his own thing. He's not with the Elite. He's not with the Inner Circle. He's his own thing. And I love that because you need people who are on their own. Not everybody needs to be in a faction and factions are great, but not everybody needs to be in them. You don't want to get watered down like the like the NWO. Moxley and Omega are brawling. Jake Hager's brawling with MJF and you see the 
Bucks and Santana Ortiz going at it, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Hamman Page, and Cody going at it. And right before they see the Jim Ross saying the battle lines have been drawn, you see the Elite and MJF on top of the stage and the inner circle back towards the ring, and then the Bucks and the Bucks and Hangman and company and Cody Rhodes and jump down again and the brawl is happening. I think they did a really great job to try and hype you up for full gear. Because to be honest, I forgot full gear was happening this Saturday. I honestly forgot. But I'm glad because we are getting a big fight feel for this Saturday between Cody Rhodes and Chris Jericho for the AEW Championship. I think there isn't much else to talk about as far as the show that I think maybe a, uh, NXT may have won this week with the Wednesday Night Wars. When it comes to the ratings, uh, looks like AEW won again, but NXT is getting close, and it's possible within the next few weeks leading up to Survivor Series that they might beat AEW. But let's get into these predictions. Uh, hopefully I can get something up with uh, my predictions and Sean's uh, coming up. Hopefully bring up something tomorrow. Uh, if not, I will repost my predictions on Twitter again, or on Twitter along with this, and uh, Sean will post his predictions on Twitter as well. So starting off with the buy-in match, we're having uh, B. Priestley versus Dr. Britt Baker. Um, we've been seeing this feud build since Fighter Fest. We haven't really gotten to see a singles match between these two. They've been in tag matches, the Battle Royal. But um, I think what we're going to do, I think B. Priestley's going to take the victory here. Uh, you know, she's the heel, and I think it's going to be classic storyline booking. You know, the heel wins, kind of cheats to win, and eventually the baby face will get her win, and the heel will get her comeuppets, and um, we'll get the win back. Nothing too much there. Uh Next up, we're doing uh, Joey Janela versus Sean Spears uh, singles action. This match was kind of abruptly done. Uh, it was kind of started on being the elite when Tully and Sean were talking backstage, and then they said, you smell a cigarette? And Joey Janela was smoking a cigarette backstage and kind of just walked past uh, Spears and Tully. This was kind of abruptly done, and um, because of that, I'm going to have to go with Sean Spears Everyone kind of thought he was going to win it all out, but he lost, and it kind of took away some steam. Joey Janela is the kind of guy who can really doesn't care, and he can lose in any situation, and it won't hurt him. I think Sean Spears really needs this victory, and I really hope he wins. Uh, next up, we have the three-way tag team match. Now, Private Party and uh, Dark Order had a tag team match to determine who would be the third spot in this triple threat tag team title match, and Private Party won. It will be uh, the Private Party versus Lucha Bros, Pentagon Jr., and Ray Phoenix going after the AEW Tag Team Championships with the champions defending in SCU, Frankie Kazarian, and Scorpio Sky. I was expecting the Lucha Bros to become the first AEW Tag Team Champions, but uh, I think I think it was done that SCU was to become the first Tag Team Champions to say they, they'll always have that under their belt, Kazarian and Sky. But I think those tag titles are really going to be known well with like with the Lucha Brothers and like the, with the Young Bucks, obviously at one point. But uh, I'm going to go with the the champs here and just play it safe. Kazarian Sky, SCU to retain in this match. It will be a hell of a match, though. I'm really looking forward to this. Uh, we have Rio, the AEW Women's Champion, defending against Emi Sakura. Emi Sakura teamed with, I believe, I can't remember this girl's name. Again, these women, a lot of the women's division in AEW I'm still learning about, not knowing too much. Uh, but Rio versus Emi Sakura. Emi Sakura got the win over Riho. I guess it kind of gave her some momentum to make it somewhat believable that she will win, but uh, I'm going to go with Riho here. Uh, it just seems too easy. Uh, I'm just going to go with her and uh, just, yeah. Exactly. Riho, she won't drop the title just yet. Not just yet. Uh, next, the Young Bucks, uh, Matt and Nick Jackson versus Santana and Ortiz of the Inner Circle. Um, I'm giving this one to Santana and Ortiz. Um, they are in this new faction, this heel stable. Uh, they haven't, from what I remember, they haven't really had a match 
since the first night of AEW TV with Chris Jericho against the Elite. So I'm going to go with with uh, Santana and Ortiz. They really need the victory here. It doesn't need to be a dominant victory. It can be a, a really great back-and-forth match to where the Bucks don't have to look bad. Uh, but I really think Santana and Ortiz really need the victory here. The, the Bucks are always going to be over. The Bucks are always going to... They're always going to be popular, and nothing's going to change about that. But I think Santana and Ortiz here are going to be the ones to take the victory and who really need the victory. Um... Hangman Adam Page versus the Bastard Pack. Um, this one is a little trickier for me, but I lean more on Pack. I'm gonna go with Pack. Uh, I really feel like they they can build him up to a future as a future title contender uh, within the next like number of months or so, and I feel like Adam. Uh, Page and Pack can always come back to each other, but I feel like Pack's just gonna gonna be one guy who he really always has trouble beating. Eventually, he will get a win over him, but I feel like he's just gonna have trouble beating him. So um, yeah, I'm gonna go with uh, the bastard Pack on this one. Uh, it's a little weird how I'm gonna be doing these next two matches because then you have the title match and then the non-sanctioned lights out match between Moxley and Omega. But uh, I'm, I'm going to go with Moxley and Omega next. Um, John Moxley versus Kenny Omega uh, non-sanctioned lights out lights out match. So this match won't count to their win loss. It won't uh, go to their win-loss record. It won't affect them in any way. Um, but what they did at Fighter Fest is that Joey Janela and John Moxley had an unsanctioned match. The lights went down, lights came back up, and they pretty much had a hardcore match. Um, I really don't think they should be taking these these things too literal when it comes to these unsanctioned matches. But um, fair play, it's going to be a hardcore match, which is John Moxley's bread and butter. Uh, but it's actually why I'm going for John Moxley. I. Had Moxley made it to All Out, I was going to predict that he was going to win against Kenny Omega anyway. I feel like John Moxley, um, he really is this anti-establishment type of character. He really is this Stone Cold esque type of character, where at any time he can he can just turn, he can just attack anybody at any time. It does not matter, and the crowd will pop. It doesn't matter if he's a baby, the person he's attacking is a baby face, or if he's a heel. It doesn't matter. Um, it's going to be a really great clash of styles with a guy like Moxley and a guy like Omega with John Moxley being one of the most renowned hardcore wrestlers in uh, in recent years and Kenny Omega who's been arguably the best wrestler in the world for the past number of years but I'm going with John Moxley here and it's, I think it's going to be very brutal and, and bloody too and then finally the uh, AEW Championship match the champion, Chris Jericho, versus the American Nightmare, Cody, with the stipulation that if Cody loses, he will never challenge for the AEW World Championship again. And this is the match that if it goes to a draw, then there will be three judges. I don't believe the three judges have been announced yet. It'll come to a decision if that's the case. But this is the match that I think is the most difficult to predict. They're really trying to throw that wrench in there that uh, Cody won't get a shot at the title again if he doesn't win. Now, Cody Rhodes is probably maybe one of the biggest stars in wrestling right now, but he's not as big of a star as Chris Jericho. A lot of people watch AEW because Chris Jericho is their champion. Um, Maybe you don't have any title changes, and then maybe that's what I'm predicting because I'm going to go with Chris Jericho. I'm going to play it safe here. I do think at some point Cody will become the AEW World Champion. He he will. I'm sure there will be some kind of stipulation where he will get a championship match. Um, but uh, you don't want to also have Cody, who we all know Cody is an, is an, is an executive vice president of the, of the of the company. We don't want to make it seem like he's booking himself right after this first pay-per-view they have with the crown the first world champion, and then he becomes the world champion. It doesn't look good for your company. And plus, I think that 
with a guy like Jericho leading this new faction like the Inner Circle, if he loses, it really kind of makes the other guys look weaker in association because they went with this older man, and then he loses. I do think Chris Jericho is going to win. I think Chris Jericho needs to win here, and you can save that victory for Cody for another pay-per-view down the line, maybe double or nothing next year or all out, whatever they want to do. But I'm going to go with uh, Le Champion, Chris Jericho. Uh, just playing it safe here. Nothing too outrageous with my predictions. Uh, anyway, we've been on here for about a little over an hour now, so I think that'll do it for this edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, bear with me. I hope you have been able to deal with me being going solo again. It's been a while since I've done this, and I flow much better when I'm talking with somebody else. But, um, yeah, AEW Full Gear is this Saturday. Uh, I believe you can watch it on Bleacher Report Live and Fight TV. I think it's only like 20 bucks. I know I'll be watching it this weekend. Um, you know, be sure to uh, listen to us at uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, uh, Anchor.fm, uh, Pretty much wherever you can find our podcast at, uh, follow us at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Like us, tell us about your friends. If you like pro wrestling, you know people like pro wrestling. Tell us about this, um, and we greatly appreciate you uh, listening. Uh, you know, I'm gonna post some polls this week. You know, what's the match you're gonna look forward to? I'm gonna post some predictions on Twitter. Uh, you know, and just. What has been your favorite thing about this week? Uh, so let us all know. Anyway, for CJ Palmasano, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.